Will you pray with me? O God of grace and God of glory, on your people pour thy power. Make thy church's ancient story bloom to glorious flower. O God, grant us wisdom and grant us courage for the living of these days and this very hour. Amen. First, I want to say it is so good to be back with you. This congregation who raised me up into ordained ministry, who affirmed my call when I was walking lost and confused in the world in the midst of a pandemic and trying to do seminary throughout all of that. So thank you for having me back. This week, the world watched, or at least those who were paying attention to things going on around them, as the Reverend Linda Popham, a woman in her 60s who has pastored a church for 33 years, Fern Creek Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, stood for three minutes in front of 12,000 messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention to plead her case for her church who has faithfully given money and offerings to the Southern Baptist Convention where she has proclaimed the good news for 33 years, where she has served in some form of Baptist ministry since she was 17 years old to proclaim God's goodness and she stood in front of those 12,000 people pleading her case for her church to remain in the Southern Baptist Convention where they were being kicked out because they weren't in friendly cooperation because she was their pastor. She, a woman, was their pastor. And she stood in that space filled with hope and also anger but also knowing that she was redeemed by her beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, and she would be okay whatever happened, but she had the boldness and courage to stand up in that room for three minutes, where then only a 1,000 people out of that 12,000-member meeting would vote to affirm that her church should remain in the Southern Baptist Convention. This is literally a vote to not accept her money because literally the thing that holds the Southern Baptist Convention is two offerings at Easter and at Christmas, both named after women, Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, and a yearly gift to the cooperative program that helps support the work of the church. They don't receive any benefit, really, besides the authority that being a Southern Baptist church gives them, and her money, her church's money, is no longer good enough because they just had to put their foot down on her a little bit further. They, for 20-plus years, have had women as their target. In 2000, they affirmed that women could not be called as pastors, and a few like her snuck through. But now they're emboldened. There's no room for that anymore. And yet she knows in grace that she is worthy and beloved and called, and she stood in hope because she knows that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, and she is out there doing the work of God, bringing forth the reign of God before us.
St. Paul tells us to be boastful in hope. Our first reading today talks about how in Christ we have been introduced or we have obtained access to grace of God. William Barclay, a Scottish theologian of the last century, talked about that that word in Greek that we use as access or introduction to God literally means a royal invitation. We are invited to stand in the glory of God who dwells all around us, but also that that divine royal invitation comes and dwells within us. But so much of the world tells us that that's not true. There's not a whole lot of grace right now, it feels like. Just being a person who works in Austin during the legislative session this year reminded me how little grace there was in this world as our legislatures of actually both parties continued to put their foot on the necks of the poor and the oppressed and public school kids and trans kids and queer folks who are just living their lives. I see the hurt day in and day out as people fail to know that they are beloved, that they are good, that they are divine. Yet grace abounds. Grace has transformed our lives but are we telling people about it? How good are we at telling people how loved they are? We try, but we often fail. We walk through our world not realizing how much people need to know the love and power of God at work. For the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. It's not about getting people to heaven, but helping them know that they're experiencing heaven here and right now in their very midst because in Christ they are allowed full access. They are divine vessels of a holy God. Paul Tillich said that grace is when the divine voice comes to us over and over and says, you are accepted, you are accepted, you are accepted. People need to know about the goodness of God. People need to know that simple message that God comes to us and says, you are accepted, you are seen, you are beloved, you are here. And that grace should also lead us to hope. Not only do we need to go forth telling the world about it, but we should live boldly. Even when it feels like oppression is all around us, when we feel like we are just one in a room of 12,000 where we are being told we are unworthy, we know in Christ that we are worthy, and if we can live like that, we can live boastful in hope. Hope sounds so simple to those who are privileged, but hope is a radical, rebellious act in this world that is constantly telling us that we are worthless, that we are unequal, that we are not good, that we are not beloved. But hope stands firm in the face of oppression. Jürgen Moltmann, the the wonderful 97-year-old theologian who keeps writing books to proclaim the resilience of hope in Christ Jesus. 
tells us that hope in our faith in Jesus Christ should not let us become comfortable in this world, but should call us constantly to be building a better world. A world where all are made equal and all is made right. And it may seem hard in these days to find that hope, but siblings, hope abounds. There are a few small examples I see around us. Just that I, a queer person, am standing in ordained ministry right here and now in Texas of all places proclaiming the good news of Christ Jesus is a sign of the resurrected power of hope in the world. Last night I watched uh, the opening ceremonies of the Special Olympics held in the very Olympic stadium built by Hitler in the 1930s where Jesse Owens raced and won. And here are these people with disabilities who would have been killed under Hitler's regime marching into that stadium from all over the world, every race and every color, to compete and to shine. That is resurrection in the world. Churches like this are resurrection in the world when we stand to proclaim the goodness of God, when there are churches all over this city that tell people that they are not enough. This is radical work, y'all. And sometimes it's exhausting. It's exhausting, and we feel like we just have a little song in a weary throat. But Christ Jesus can give us the power to keep boasting in the hope of the world that needs to be transformed, to give us power to be the ones who do the work of harvest, to proclaim to our neighbors that they are good, and to seek and do justice everywhere we go. A great example of this, of that hope that is boastful, that hope that transforms us, that hope that makes us workers in the fields, that keeps our hands on the gospel plow, is blessed Polly Murray. Some of you may know that name, but some of you may not. Polly was a black activist, a queer woman, born in the 1920s, born in North Carolina to a family where her grandparents had been in enslavement. Polly would go on to take the hope that she had found in the little Episcopal church in North Carolina in Christ Jesus that message that she heard there where she was invited over and over to the communion table to proclaim, to receive God's grace and assurance of love in those humble gifts of bread and wine to change the world. Polly started first as being concerned about the rights of persons of color. But before her time, she starts to see the intersectionalities all around us. She was in a WPA work camp when she started to see the ways women were mistreated as well as persons of color. So she both worked with the NWACP as well as to work to found the National Organization of Women to help all oppressed persons to feel that they are enough, that they were good enough. She struggled with her gender, she struggled with her sexuality, yet she went to law school. She desegregated the University of North Carolina's law school because she knew she was enough. 
She wrote papers and bills that then would be used by people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and others to help expand abortion access and the rights of women and helped in the planning of the ERA. Though, though that work was not yet fulfilled, she saw this work that God had called her to sing a song from her weary throat. She lived into the promises of the Juneteenth hope that there would truly be freedom someday. She worked with Dr. King and others to help organize the civil rights movement. She is at the foundation of so many issues of justice that was built on the words and the work of this black queer woman from North Carolina. She was best friends with Eleanor Roosevelt and during the depression helped Eleanor to encourage her husband to become more concerned about the rights of black folks and women. And in her 60s, that hope was not gone. She once again put on her proud shoes. She once again found that song in her weary throat and she became the first African-American woman ordained an Episcopal priest. When asked, she often said this was in thanksgiving for the God who had given her hope throughout her entire career, and it was her gift back to God to stand at Christ's altar and to hand the bread and the wine to give a little more hope in an otherwise oppressive world. we all have the opportunity to be like Polly. We're not all going to be able to do everything she did. We're not all going to be able to write laws that will transform society as we know it, but we can sing a song from our weary throats when the world around us seems hopeless. We can tell that little queer child down the street who feels that they're unsafe and not enough that someday it does actually get better. We can help to make sure that black-owned businesses in our neighborhoods and Latin Latina businesses in our neighborhoods stay in business by just showing up and eating at their tables. We can help give hope by being in this very room to be fed at the table of love and to hear a word of hope in an otherwise oppressive world. We can bring hope just by living boldly as we are, doing the work of justice, loving our neighbor, and letting the grace of God that says you are accepted cause us to continue to be transformed, for we are enough. We can have that Polly Murray hope. We can have that Opal Hope, who marched to Washington, D.C. in her 90s to make Juneteenth a national holiday because she said, freedom's not just for black folks, freedom's for everybody, and we need a day to celebrate freedom. Let us be boastful. Let us put our hands to the plow. Let us do the work of the gospel, and let us transform the world around us. Our throats sometimes feel weary, but we all have a song of hope. Amen. Amen.